Good morning. How are you? Are you dry? I hope so. I hope so. So when Chris and I were, uh, were talking before service about, he was kind of asking me just some questions about, you know, I guess, the introduction and all that. And I said, just tell him it's the guy that can't keep a job for more than five years. Because as, as he's talking through things, I'm like, wait, I was there for about four and a half years. Yeah, I was there for about four years. I was there. I'm like, good gracious, what's going on? But it's been a, it's been a neat journey over the last probably 10, 15 years with me and my family and just kind of in and out of ministry, and, and Southeastern kind of seems to be a, la- a landing place we keep going to, but um, this new adventure of planting a church is, is something that's just overwhelming, and it's exciting, and so uh, it's, it's going to be a fun time. And, and over the years, as we've visited different churches and been involved in different ministries, like Ridgepoint is one that we've been like, there's things we really want to emulate um, with what you guys are doing, because just over the years, it's been a great church, great staff, great ministry in the community, and so so you're at a great place, and you're doing awesome things, and, uh, and JJ is one of my just great friends, and we were youth pastor guys together, and so it's just been neat to, to watch him take over after Tim, and, and honestly do a better job than Tim, so I hope you're watching, Tim, so, um, but, uh, but it's, it's fun, so we're going to have some fun this morning, so what we're talking about this morning is nothing new to you, actually, it's, um, if you're a follower of Christ, this is probably something you're, you're kind of like, why are you talking to me about this, but it's something that I think we need a reminder on, and it's something that, um, honestly, as, as I've been in ministry and I talk to people that follow Christ, it's something that a lot of people shy away from. And so today we're talking about being a disciple maker. And, and you might think, well, that's just not me. You know, that's somebody else. That's, that's JJ's job, or that's Chris's job, or that's the preacher's job, but, or that's somebody that's been serving Christ forever. Because, you know, you might think, well, I've just got too much stuff going on myself. I'm too big of a mess. Um, you might think, hey, I don't, I, just, I don't really know the Bible well enough. Or you might even think, hey, I, just, I haven't been serving Christ that long, so how could I be a disciple maker? Um, you know, we could really just kind of fill in the blank there because we can make excuses all day long of why we aren't necessarily being a disciple maker. So I want to help you out a little bit. The word kind of narrows down this scope a little bit of exactly who should be a disciple maker, like who should be focused on this. So let's... let's land at Matthew chapter 28. And you can just, if you got your Bible or your device, you can just kind of stay there. We're going to look at some different scriptures this morning, but, but we're going we're gonna to kind of land on this here in a few minutes. And this is where we want to start. So Matthew 28, and if you want to go down to verse 19, this is what it says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And this is Jesus saying this. This is Jesus right before he's um, finished here on this earth, and he's talking to his disciples, which you know, some people would say, well, that was for the disciples, and no, I mean, it was for all of us. He was talking to them, but it was something that's reverberating through history, and it's to us as well. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Okay, so did you get that? We narrowed down the scope of who should be doing that, right? It, it's all of us. Like, the scope doesn't get very narrow when he's talking to us, when he's talking to all believers. He's not really kind of narrowing it down to a certain segment or a certain people or a certain level, a certain title. He just is talking to all of those that are his followers, and he's saying, go and teach and baptize and make disciples. And he's, he's telling us to go do something that's very important, that's going to change the face of the history of the world. It's going to change you as a believer he is looking at us as his vehicle to spread his message through the world. And so that's to all of us. And so 
we could fill in that blank with whatever excuse we want to fill in, but really, it's just an excuse. Because he's asking us all to do it. Whether you got saved yesterday, or whether you've been serving the Lord for 50 years, whether you could like exegete the Bible with perfect human hermeneutical skill, or whether you're just like, I know where Genesis is at. He's asking us to be disciple makers. He's asking us to do something. But here's, here's the great thing. Here's the encouraging thing about that passage we just read. And I left this part out at the beginning. But here's the last part of that verse in verse 20. It says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, he never leaves us alone when he calls us to do something. He never just tells us to go do something and then kind of stands back and watches us. I have a 14-year-old, and that's kind of how I'm doing things right now with him. I'm like, go do this, and then I kind of just stand back because I want him to figure some things out on his own. But Christ, Christ is in the mess with us. We're talking about addressing the mess, and we've been talking about it for the last three weeks, and Christ is in that mess with us. And so when he calls us to go do this, he's saying, hey, I'm going to be right there with you until I come back. I'm, I'm in the mess with you. I'm in the mix with you. I'm doing this with you. So let me pray for us. Let me just ask God to kind of speak to our hearts and speak to, to all of us and say, you know, what are you trying to say to us today? You know, through these passages and through what's being said, like, how is this affecting me and what am I going to do with it? So let me pray. Father, thanks for today. Thanks for just the, the worship this morning. And um, we just thank you for, for um, just your truth and your promises that you've brought to us. And so God, today, I pray that those songs we sung and that the, the word today would become real in us. God, I pray that we would do something with it, that we would not just leave static, but God, that we would leave um, doing what you've asked us to do. We pray that we would leave wrestling with your word and wrestling with just the world around us and how that, how that just comes to play. And, and Father, as people come to us, we ask that you would help us to be disciple makers. So speak to us today. Open our hearts, open our minds um, to what it is you would have said to us. Just block out any distractions, block out any fear, block out any... Um, any just preconceived thoughts of, of who we are or what we can do and just um, pour into us your life and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, I have two kids. How many of you guys have kids in the room? All right. Um, so I have two kids, a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, but both boys. And, um, and if you've got kids, you've, you've seen that point in their life where they did something that was pretty awesome. Like it was, you know, they held the door open for somebody or they said thank you kind of unprompted. You know, you didn't have to like nudge them and say thank you. You know, they said it or they, you know, they did something. They, they like sacrificed something for someone that was in need. And, um, and you think, I have done a good job. You know, you're like, you're like that's pretty awesome, you know. And, and it's unprompted and unscripted and it's just you see something happening in them that you're like, wow. And, and then you realize it. You realize they're emulating something I have done. You know, maybe if, if you're a guy and you're, you constantly hold the door open for people and then all of a sudden you have a son and you see your son do that for a, for a lady or, you know, a young woman or something and you're like, he gets it, he caught it. And so there's that moment of, I'm the greatest parent in the world, you know, like I'm doing something awesome and then my kid is following what I'm doing. But then there's also that moment of kind of a Mike Tyson gut punch. You're like, oh, wait, they're following what I'm doing. That means they see all the glorious stuff that you do, and they're probably following it, but they, they also see, like, you know, the not-so-glorious stuff that you say and do, and, and you realize, well, if they're following the other, they're probably following that, too. And so there's this idea of what you do rubs off onto your kids. 
you know, and it's true, really, in, in all of life. If you think about it, your likes and your dislikes, your, your you know, hang-ups, habits, I mean, you can probably kind of tie that back to another person, tie that back to maybe even a group of people. You know, if, you, if you've got teenagers, as they're growing up, you're telling them all the time, you know, pay attention to who you're hanging out with. You know, you can, you know, you can become the sum of the people you're hanging out with. It rubs off. People rub off on one another. And that's that whole idea of discipleship is it's a rubbing off from someone else to someone in a good way, hopefully, if we're talking about discipleship. So, you know, it's, um, it's that idea that we're making disciples. Now, I, uh, I, I thought about this, and I thought about some visual representations of what this would look like. And so we're going to show some images on the screen. And you know those things where it's like, you know, this is what we're doing, this is what we think we're doing, this is what other people think we're doing, but this is what it actually looks like we're doing. So, so this, these images kind of, um, kind of visually represent what we're doing as disciple makers. So when we're discipling someone, we think we are that master teacher. You know, our students are paying attention to every word we have to say, and, you know, it's that dead poet society kind of, you know, I am imparting something into you, and that's what we feel it looks like. This is what other people feel like it looks like, you know, we're just helping poor cousin Eddie, you know, helping him to not be, you know, an idiot. Um, and then this is what it actually looks like. You know, we're, we're stuck together, hanging on for dear life, in just absolute need. And, um, and so, you know, discipleship, you know, has this connotation of, of these different things, but honestly, really, all it is is we're just hoping to rub off onto someone else what Christ is doing in our own life. Um, and so, you know, we become, like I said a few minutes ago, the sum of the people that we hang around. You know, and this rubbing off is truly what it meant to be a disciple. Um, Paul understood this. As, as he had grown up a Jewish man, he understood what it meant to be put underneath a rabbi, underneath someone that he would learn from. And so in a lot of his writings in, in the New Testament, this idea of discipleship comes out, this idea of being rubbed off from someone else, and this idea of you know, learning from someone else is there. And he understood that very clearly, and he wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ, because he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You know, there's that, that whole kid imitating the parent coming out again. You know, our children learn far more from us by, by what is caught than what is taught. You know, they're, they're watching us. They're paying attention to us. And we can say things all day long, but really, they want to see what we do. They want to see how we react. They want to see, you know, the thoughts we have, the way we react to people that are mean to us, the way we react to people that are nice to us. They want to see how we hang on to hurts and hang-ups. And, and so they're, you know, we're saying one thing, but they're, they're really learning by what we're doing. And so this, this, that whole idea, once again, comes into discipleship. So building disciples is messy. You know, we've already been talking about the whole messiness all, all this whole this series long. You know, Chris hit it off in the very beginning when he said that, you know, the first thing we have to do is realize we're a mess. Um, you know, because when we're a mess, you know, what we've got to realize is, is relationships get messy at some point or another. 
you know, if, if you're working with someone else and you're discipling someone else, at some point that gets messy. I mean, if you're married, you understand that very well. You know, relationships get messy. If you're dating, you understand that. If you have friends, I mean, even just friendships can get messy because people are broken. And as broken people tend to work with other broken people, that does get messy. And so Christ talked about this in the first, um, or Chris talked about it in the first week, and, you know, we have to realize that we're a mess. As, as I studied for this message, as I was digging into what it meant to be a disciple, you know, I, as I read some things and as I began to dig into that and I began to dig into the word about being a disciple, I'm like, man, you know, I, I understand this conflict of what it means to, to kind of shy away from wanting to be a disciple maker because it, it can be a, a lofty thing to think about what it means to be a disciple. I found um, an article, I was reading an article about being a first century disciple on Bible.org, and and I wanted to share this passage from it with you. It says, the essential qualities of first century disciples were desire and submission, and assumed that emulation, biblical literacy, community, transparency, and a willingness to wrestle with God's word were a given. This included a passion together with zeal to give up any and all of their preconceived notions of how to live one's life and then to embrace the behavior that their rabbi deemed best to honor God. It was a radical, willing, and totally conforming submission to the interpretive authority of their rabbi. You know, if we, if we listen to that, and then we dig into the word, and if we all became self-reflective about, you know, our level of being a disciple, we might think, man, this is totally like, like what I talked about earlier about those excuses and filling in the blank, we would think, I am exempt from this, because I'm nowhere near that. Now, now, here's the thing. In our walk with Christ, God is not calling us to be the rabbi. He's, he's instead wanting us to point to the rabbi who's Christ. So let me take a little bit of weight off your shoulders. Let me let, me, let, me let you know that it's not us that is having to take all that responsibility on us. It, it's Christ that's doing it. And so he's just asking us to be a vehicle. He's just asking us, hey, as I'm working in you, as I'm doing things through you, I just want you to connect with other people because we're all at different levels. We're all at different things. We're all got different stuff going on in our life. And he said, what I'm doing in you could quite possibly help the person that I'm connecting you to. And it works reciprocal. Like what God's doing in them as well can help you. So it kind of takes away that idea of wanting to, or having to be the master teacher, having to know it all, of having to have all the answers. And it says, hey, listen, just do life. And, and as I'm working in you, you're going to help someone else. And that person might even help you if you're open to that. And then just live life. But live it together. Live it connected with other people. In his letter to the Romans, Paul wrote, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but instead let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You see, Paul, Paul had been totally transformed by God. I mean, his whole way of thinking, his whole way of living had been completely changed. And he knew and he understood that the only way that he could be of any benefit to the people around him was through that change. He knew that he still had flaws. He knew that he was still under construction. But as he imitated Christ, he needed to impart what he was learning on his journey into others. He told the Corinthians, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Now, he didn't say that because he thought he was someone special. He didn't say that because he thought he had all the answers. He just said, hey, listen, I know what it can be like to try to imitate something you can't see and someone you, don't, you, 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 know, you can't physically be around. He said, so listen, 
Find somebody that, that God's changing. Find somebody that God's working in. And, and hopefully they're pointing to Christ. And then that's what he's calling us to be. Now, he was, Paul, what Paul was doing was the people that was, he had influence over, he was inviting them to be part of his mess. He was inviting them into his mess. But there's a couple things I want us to know before we dive into being a disciple maker. There's a couple implications. Discipling others is inconvenient. It doesn't work on a timetable. It's not necessarily just one coffee meeting a week with someone or you know, a, a, a status update on Facebook. It's, it's inconvenient. Um, it can be tough because we're actually inviting someone into our life. We're asking them to be part of it. I, I like to call this doing life together. And it's, and it's tough because if we got honest, like how many of us when we go home, when we drive into our driveway, we open the garage door, we drive in, well, we can fit one car in our garage door. You drive in and you let the garage door down and then you go inside or else you pull up in the driveway, you get out of your car and you go straight in. And, and a lot of times we, we don't do well of doing life together. I mean, we're busy. We got soccer games to go to. We've got dance to take the kids to. We've got this outing or that thing and this going on in our life. And so it becomes hard to invite other people in and to do life together. It's the whole idea of life groups. Um, you know, it's that whole idea of putting a group of people together, getting life together, doing life together, learning each other, being vulnerable, being authentic, and then in the end, you hope that there's this synergistic thing happens where, the, you know, we can do more, we can accomplish more, we can be more together than we can on our own. And so, it's inconvenient, but generally, something that's hard to do or hard to come by is beneficial. And so it's inconvenient, but it's worth it. And so as you think about disciple making, it might not fit nicely into what your week looks like or your schedule looks like. It's just being kind of open and having the opportunity to do life with someone. It doesn't mean moving them into your spare bedroom and ha letting them have access to, you know, 24 hours a day of your life, but it does mean, it does mean making accommodations for that. It does mean, you know, being open to conversations that, you know, maybe at times when you're not ready to have that. But, you know, it, it, means, it means getting to a deeper level in a relationship than just a casual friend. Um, second is it's, it's not easy. Um, being a disciple maker is not easy. Now, I don't want to scare you, um, but honestly, it's probably, and it could be one of the hardest things you've done yet as a Christian. Um, it's not easy to invite someone into your life um, to do life with you. It's not easy to kind of be privy to all their junk and all their stuff. But on the other hand, it's also not easy to be transparent. Um, you know, we tend to be a society that's somewhat closed off, and we tend to be a society that somewhat doesn't talk about the hard things. I mean, think about it, guys. When's the last time one of your friends has asked you, how are you really doing? Not like, hey, dude, how's it going? But like, hey, how are you really doing? You know, how, how's your marriage? How's, how's your, your life? Or, or ladies, when's the last time one of your girlfriends really like kind of like got in your grill and wanted to know how life really was going? I mean, we tend to shy away from the hard questions. And so it's hard. It's hard to open up, but it's also kind of hard to be exposed to, you know, the things that other people have going on. But it's worth it. Remember I said, things that generally are hard to come by are very worth it. Um, now, wisdom and balance comes into play in both of these points. You have to use wisdom, and you have to use balance in both of these. Now, here's the third point, the third implication. Discipleship doesn't last forever. 
when you're discipling someone, the end goal is that then they become a disciple maker of someone else. And so when you enter into this relationship, don't think, oh, here goes the next 40 years of my life. No, that's not the goal. You know, just like the goal of your children is one day to get them out of the house, right? I mean, the whole goal of having children and the whole goal should be raising up competent, you know, competent adults that one day can leave the house and they can be successful adults on their own. You know, we're, we're hurting them when we keep them under our cover for the rest of their life. And the same thing is true with disciples. If you think that that person has to be dependent upon you, then the focus is on the wrong place. You know, the end goal is to get them out and for them to be disciple makers. So it's not a forever relationship. It's a, uh, it's a relationship that's constantly changing. So I wish I could give you a formula for being disciple makers, but unfortunately, there is not one. However, in Matthew 28, we do get some direction from God. And I want to talk about that for a few minutes. So open your Bibles back up to Matthew 28, or it'll be here on the screen. And let me read these verses again to you, but I'm going to start at verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You know, as I read these passages, I see a couple things that God wants from us or God wants us to focus on as we're contemplating being a disciple maker, as we're thinking about this and, and moving in that direction, hopefully. But um, I'm borrowing some points here from a, a great preacher and author named John Piper. He, this is actually from 1982, right before he was going to deliver baptism at his church. He spoke for just a few minutes about um, this passage. And, and so I'm just borrowing a couple points from him, but he says, um, he points out in Luke 14, 47, that Jesus gives us the single greatest requirement of being a disciple. He says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And that was Jesus talking. So the first thing that Jesus wants us, um, that he wants us to think about as we, as we become disciple makers is this. We need to pick up our cross and die. You know, this means... This means dying to your old life and walking in the new life with Christ. Dying to your old ways, your old hang-ups, your old thought patterns, your old habits. Just dying to that. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, you're thinking, okay, check, did that. But have we really? Like, like the buzzword for this is submission. Like, have we really submitted everything to Christ? I mean, and, and I'm not here to kind of to get on to us about that, but... But I can look at my own life and I think, man, there's stuff I'm holding on to. Like, like when I think of the lordship of Jesus Christ over my life, I think, man, there's, there's things I'm probably holding on to that I need to let go of to truly be in alignment with what he's saying here. To picking up my cross and dying to him daily and following after him. A disciple had to turn, in, in Jesus' time, a disciple had to turn from everything. They had to turn away from all of it to follow that rabbi. And when they did, you know, that was the change that took place. See, Christ has come to make us new, but we have to die to the old before the new can come. And when we do that, that's when we see something beautiful begin to take place in our life. I mean, when we lay that down and we really make him Lord over our life and we, we lay down everything, I mean, it might even be our dreams that, that aren't bad dreams, but it might be laying everything down for him and saying, you know what, I'm going to take this seriously. I mean, have you ever, like, taken something seriously? 
I've recently gotten into, like I've played golf for a long time, but I've just like recently gotten into golf and like really have taken it seriously. I mean, almost to an addictive point. But, but it's like when we take something seriously, I mean, we find ourselves like thinking about it. We find ourselves watching YouTube videos when we have a minute. You know, we find ourselves like, like spending money on things that we would have never spent our money on five years ago. Or, I mean, when we really become obsessed about something or we really become serious about something, we give our all into it. We want to be our best. We want the best. We want to do the best. We want to do it all the time. And so when I think about Christ, I think, am I obsessed with Christ? I mean, and I would have to answer the question, no. And I think, why not? You know, why am I not to that place? What am I holding on to that Christ still needs in order for me to align with picking up my cross and dying? Secondly, Christ is asking us to be baptized. Now, you might think, okay, good, check. But listen, let's, let's talk past just the act of being dunked underwater. Now, if you haven't, I would encourage you to do that. I mean, honestly, like, because this, this idea of baptism has come so much more important to me over the last few years. It, it's become something that, that I begin to really identify with salvation and, and, and say it's not a requirement of salvation, but when, when I read scripture, it's right there with it every single time. And so if you haven't been baptized, I'd say, hey, listen, talk to JJ, talk to Chris and say, listen, I, I, it's time. I mean, I don't know really what excuse would keep you from doing that. Maybe you're Catholic and you said, okay, well, good. I was baptized into the church when I was two or three. Listen, let's even kind of take it further than that. Baptism is an amazing symbol. It's an amazing like representation in in an identification with Christ of what he did for us. He died and then rose again. And see, he's wanting us to identify with that. He's wanting us to identify with that symbolism to identify with really what that means you see he wants to give us a new life like i said but the old has to die first before that new life can come and so when we do this when we're baptized it it, it's identifying with exactly what christ did for us i love i mean being a children's pastor i loved baptizing kids i mean and just probably baptized hundreds of them as a children's pastor but more than that i loved it when an adult when the light came on in their head and they said, you know what? I'm tired of walking the old life. It's dead. So we're going to bury it. We're going to bury it down in the water and I'm going to come back out of, come back up out of the water a new person. And then I'm going to walk that out. I mean, there was something, they were like putting a line in the sand and they were saying, that point in my life, that's old. This is new as I move forward. And so I just encourage you. He's saying, look, Tell them, baptize them. As you're going out and you're being the disciple maker, he's telling us to baptize them. But we have to be baptized. Like, like if we're going to be a disciple maker, we have to go through the process of being a disciple as well. And so I'm a proponent of baptism, and we just encourage you. You got more questions about it. I'm sure JJ, Chris would love to answer those, even doctrinally. I mean, just what that means and all. But look, it's just an identification with Christ. It's identifying with what he did, and then what you are now, and you're new. And so the last point is Jesus wants us to teach in these verses. He's telling us to go teach. Now, I know this is a broad and even somewhat ambiguous statement. Just go teach. Okay, he doesn't tell us how. He doesn't give us the delivery methods of that, but he tells us what to teach. You know, he wants his story taught. 
He wants us to teach others his commandments. He wants us to teach others how to live a life completely devoted to him. You know, we're not teaching a set of rules to follow. We're not teaching just, you know, this, 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 this. But instead, we're, we're teaching how to live a life submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, if that's what we're supposed to be teaching, that's why I talked about the couple things that we did beforehand. We can't teach something that we don't know ourselves. And so if Christ is calling us to teach others, to baptize others, to tell them how to live a life for Christ, then we have to be on board with that. And we have to be, we at least have to be to a place where we're working toward that in our life, to be an effective disciple maker. Because I don't think any of us would say, hey, I just, I want to be like a a sub disciple maker. I just kind of want to do a little bit. Like, I think if we all enter into this relationship, we would hope we would desire that those that we're discipling, that they would want to follow Christ wholeheartedly. And so let's show them what that looks like. We teach, we teach, we're teaching how to wrestle with God's word. We're teaching how to wrestle with that and to apply it to our life, to our families, to our workplace, to everything around us. We're teaching you know, how to look through the lens of the Bible, to, to think about politics and to think about you know, the world and immigration and all these different things that's hitting our, our world now. I mean, as a disciple maker, we're teaching them to stop looking at headlines on Facebook and to start looking to God's word and saying, this is how we should look at this. This is how we should think about this. So we teach through what we're currently learning on our own. We're all under construction. And so we're all looking to God and saying, hey, I'm looking to you for answers. And so then when people are looking to us for answers, we're saying, yeah, um, let me ask the Father. Because I'm learning, we're learning, it's just let's learn together. So we're still under construction, but we can lead others through what we've already been through. So as I close this morning, I want to remind you of the last point in that passage, that God's with us always. You know, you might think, this is too hard, I'm scared. I really don't know enough. I really, I really don't feel comfortable leading someone to Christ because of you know, the things we talked about earlier. But he's called us to do it. And he hasn't left us alone to do it. He's telling us that he'll be right there with us. I'm always encouraged when somebody tells me to do something and they're like, hey, I'll, I'll walk with you and, and help you through that. And so that's what he's saying he'll do. So it's just basically saying, hey, I'm gonna open you up. I'm gonna open my life up to you. And I'm gonna help lead you along as I'm being led along. We're both going to make mistakes, but we're both going to learn. And so I just encourage you to do it. I encourage you to to drop any fears that you might have about it. I encourage you to not shy away from it and to just enter into one of those relationships. Now here's here's how I encourage you to do that. You just ask God. You say, hey God, open my eyes to maybe somebody around me that needs help, that needs help a friend that needs a disciple maker. And, and then just be ready and be you know, willing to say yes when he gives you that person because it'll probably come quicker than you want because remember, it's inconvenient. It'll probably be a little harder than you were thinking because remember, it's hard. But luckily, it doesn't last forever. But as soon as you hand someone off to be a disciple maker themselves, be ready because God will put somebody else in your path because that's how this thing is supposed to work. That's how Christianity is supposed to work. So let me pray for us today. Let me just pray that um, God would encourage us uh, to be disciple makers. 
But let me also pray that God will appoint some divine um, appointments this week in your life that, uh, that maybe you'll start some cool relationships. So as Justin comes up, we'll, uh, we'll close out. Father, um, thanks for your word. Sometimes it's, uh, if I could be brutally honest, sometimes it's pretty frustrating because I like my life the way that I like it. And interruptions can be pretty inconvenient. But God, I know that when I know that when I follow what your word tells me to do, I know that when I open my life up to others, the benefit from that is huge. The growth that I experience is just amazing. And so I, I thank you how you make this thing work. It's counterintuitive and it's and it's it's hard and it sometimes doesn't even make sense. Because I know I'm a mess. And so, God, I, I pray that you would help me. Uh, I pray that you would help us as, as we deal with our own mess, that we can get in line with you, that we can live a life that's devoted to you so that when you place somebody in our path, we're ready. God, I pray that you give us the words to say this week. God, I, I pray for the congregation today, and I pray that you would put somebody in every single person's path here today, this week. That there would be an aha, an aha moment um, as these people um, find each other. So we love you. We thank you that you're with us. In Jesus' name.